You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. This is, you know, and you think vampire bats, I would have thought they would have been a little bit bigger, but they are tiny. Tiny. That is true. Yeah. I... What can they teach us? And that helps them. But scientists think that this might help humans in some serious injuries and diseases. Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome to All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm Angie. And this is for our Halloween episode. I know you did the boo last week, right? I did, yes. <laughs> but this one's know. good. Yes, yeah, this one's going to be awesome and spooky yes. and just phenomen- phenomenal physiology. Yes, yes. The vampire bat, like just perfect for Halloween. I mean, it's a perfect animal. I, I don't know how we're going to top it next year. We'll come up with something, but because we did vampire squid, which we should have saved, I guess, for ho- sure. Halloween, but, but now we have the vampire bat. So yes. it is. <laughs> the, and this fits really nicely into the fact that it's international bat week. Yeah. So the last week in February, a lot of, um, Nonprofits and zoos and different mm-hmm. agencies out there to support bats and bats conservation are using this week to break stereotypes and promote right. bat education so people can learn more about them. And so we're a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had a friend say, Oh my God, I hate bats. They're so freaky. And I'm like, they're great. Come on. Bats uh, are awesome. They're awesome. I mean, let's, I mean, Number one, they're pretty much the only mammals that are capable of true sustained flight. That's true. It's true. But now I will tell you, Angie, these ones are scary looking (laughs) and they are, I mean, the physiology is incredible. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that because it's just, I was blown away. And the behavior is pretty gnarly as well. Yes. (laughs) Spooky. Yes. Yes. It might give you the heebie-jeebies, but yes. but it was like the more I read about them, the more I was like, again, why I love doing this podcast because I learned so much about them, but I just was, I was blown away. I thought they, out of all the species we've covered and we've covered a lot of cool ones, the physiology on these, I mean, next to the, I think naked mole rats are still physiology wise, hands down the most insane, but these ones are right up there. I mean, they are incredible. They definitely Incredible adaptations. Yeah. The physiological adaptations really do stand out. Yeah. Um, yeah, and obviously, especially from some of the other bats, because just as a friendly reminder, we already have a wonderful podcast from probably about six or eight months ago where we covered, uh, flying foxes. And those are the large mm-hmm. mega bats that are fruit eaters and right. they are just, Amazing. They are, they're, they're called flying foxes because they're so cute. Their faces almost look like foxes or dogs. If mm-hmm, you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so if you haven't checked out that podcast, I love it. It's a great one. Uh, and you can learn a lot about the mega bats, but the right. other type of bat is a micro bat, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And those are going to eat insects, which is what we're more familiar with here in North America. Our bats mm-hmm. do a lot of great work for us ridding mosquitoes and other things like that. Mm-hmm. And, but also 
vampire bats that consume blood and we'll be talking a lot about blood yeah. today. So yeah, a lot a, of blood. If you a have lot a queasy stomach, I, I still <laughs> I still want you to stick around. But yes. uh, when we get to the nutrition section, you might want to fast no, forward that. It'll be all right. Yeah, it'll be all it'll right. Be all but right. yeah, right. So they only feed on blood, and they're the only mammal to do that exclusively. And here's there's gonna be a lot of big words today. Here's one: ectoparasite, which we know is like you know fleas and ticks and this is the vampire bat is an ectoparasite because it lives outside the host and feed on it. Right. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned to, though. At the end, Angie, I've got a really cool one, especially for Halloween Ooh, is <laughs> the origins of the vampire myth. And I think people, you don't, you think, you know, but you don't, somebody might know. Ooh, we should give out prizes like they do in car talk. If you know the answer to the, the puzzler. <laughs> the puzzler. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you think you know, but you don't. Trust me, you don't because I didn't know. I mean, not just because I didn't know, but I was really surprised when I found the answers. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my goodness, I actually don't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. But no, it's going to be a lot of fun today talking about vampire bats. Um, and I think it's also, bats are super underappreciated just in general in the mammal world. Uh, there is... They are the second largest order of mammals with bats comprising about 20% mm-hmm. of all classified mammal species. Yeah. And there's over about, uh, there's over a thousand, about 1240 different species. Yeah. So today we're going to yeah. be talking about vampire bats, which are, is a common name for basically three species that exhibit this, um, blood consuming right. behavior. Right. 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 And they're, they're, and I'll get into the, some of the, uh, natural history of them here in a minute, but you know, they're leaf nose bats is what they, they call them because they have noses that kind of look like leaves. But really when I looked up close, what it to me, it looked like was like two ears, human ears facing each other with the, the curves kind of on the outside. Like that's just how I looked at it. <laughs> it's just they, kind of a weird. No, yeah. Uh, I didn't know how to describe it. I just like, it looks like a smash nose. To yeah. Me. yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess they're, I mean, the ears look big to me, but I saw one description for bats. I guess they're smaller, but they look kind of big to me, but this is, you know, and you think vampire bats, I would have thought they would have been a little bit bigger, but they are tiny, tiny. The size. That is true. Yeah. Because I was I was pleasantly surprised yes. when I saw that. Yes, it's a good one. <laughs> especially after doing the flying foxes, where I mean they are huge, know, head to toe, yeah, huge. huge. I mean they can be like a foot and a half, yeah. or so, and let alone their wingspan. Yeah. I don't even remember the stats on yeah. that. But yeah, these are these are the micro bats, and so and even of the micro bats, they're on the the smaller side, right? Yeah. Which when we get to behavior and you learn about how they acquire the blood from the host. It's going to all make sense. Yeah. Side. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then they, they can open their mouth wide and they have these really sharp vampire quote unquote teeth. Their, their coats are what? Like grayish brown, dark gray with a white underbelly. Yeah, Grayish brown for a little bit lighter on the ventral side. Yeah. Um, the muzzle, like you said, is kind of compact, almost looks swollen and pointy ears. Right. Um, and yeah, their wingspan is going to only be about, 350 to 400 millimeters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not so very big. Bo- yeah. No. And the head of body length is about um, 70 to 90 millimeters. So yeah, they're, you know, yeah, they're, 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 they're small, which is you know, seven inches uh, across mm-hmm. wingspan and then half that for body length, three and a half inches. So, so not very big at all. Now these range, their historical range was Mexico and South America. Now, I'm going to get into where they were. They were in the, you know, California, New Mexico, Arizona, thousands of years ago. Then they went back down because it was too cold. But now, Angie. I can get behind that. (laughs) No, no, no. Now, Angie, they're coming back. They're in South Texas. Thank you, global climate change. Yes, because it's warming up. They, the South Florida, Angie, is, Warm enough for vampire bats and they're worried like in a storm or a hurricane or something, some of these bats might get actually blown to Florida and they can establish themselves there. So you can have them right outside your door. Hey, I, I would love to have vampire bats in Florida. I'd be totally uh, fine with that. I, yeah. I will, yeah. I, I will, I will risk it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Do you imagine? Oh my God. Vampire bats in Florida all over the place. 
Now, what like you said, Angie, there's over 1,200 species of bats. This, the vampire bats, their subfamily is Phyllostomidae. So again, the New World leaf-nosed bat. Again, to our listeners, the New World is the Americas. The Old World is Asia, Europe, Africa. You know uh, those places. This now, this these leaf-nosed bats, very diverse family. And vampire bats used to have their own family, but they're like, no, they're you know, especially with genetics and everything, they belong to these other ones. But in that family, you have bats that just go after nectar, fruit blood mm-hmm. the vampires or they're carnivores you know they'll they'll go and catch other other uh, birds Lizards, and stuff birds, well, yeah. yeah not other birds but birds because bats are mammals the again one of the things i we said in the fruit bat episode is you know a lot of these bats are endangered you know right. 954 of them are considered threatened with extinction it's which crazy. is it is crazy it is if if bats go like we're screwed we're we're, we're totally screwed now, of the vampire bats, there's three species. So the, the common vampire bat is Desmodus rotundus. And then the hairy-legged vampire bat. My like. personal favorite. Yeah. It, remi- it reminds me of myself. Every time I wear a skirt, yeah. I'm like, oh, I probably should have shaved my legs. So I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I live uh, in Florida, so I'm in shorts and uh, skirts a lot. So, yes, yeah. I, I can get behind the, the hairy-legged vampire the- bat or, <laughs> dif- let's see, Difala equidata. Yeah, good, 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 good. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. And then, the what, the white-winged vampire bat. So you want to say that genus name? Sure, that's Damus Young Guy. Yeah, that's good. That's good. They Damus uh and, and they're all different genus too, so they're all pretty pretty different. They're not subspecies, they're they're three distinct species. Correct. Right. So, you know, but there's similar ranges. When I looked it up, the the hairy legged not only was in Gainesville, Florida, awesome. but that's, also <laughs> that's, that's me when I look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're going? Is that what you're doing for Halloween? You're going to be the, uh, the hairy legged vampire bat. <laughs> I wouldn't really need to do much, but add fangs and some some bat wings. Get Spock ears, yeah. Get bat yeah. wings. Put some Spock ears. That's <laughs> actually way easier than uh, what I'm doing. So <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys are always amazed with your costumes. So yeah, so you got the three species, and you know, Angie, I'll ask you this: Why care? It's all. It's one of the things we've introduced in the last couple of months. So I'm really glad we do it. Or you do it, you know, why should we care about the species? Why, why vampire bats of all things should we care? Well, I think first and foremost, uh, these vampire bats get, a, just like all bats, get a bad rap about, uh, their ability to spread the infection of rabies. Yes, it does happen. Uh, however, it is very rare. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and for instance, Bats that have rabies, even the comp, the microbats that we have here, um, in North America, typically if a bat is on the ground and injured, it, and if it is suffering from a disease, it shouldn't be messed with. It would just probably die on its own, but that's where a lot of times humans tend to then grab it or pick it up or do something like that. Um, and only 0.5% of bats carry rabies. Mm-hmm. And so the ones that are flying around that people are trying to eliminate, which I know you're going to touch on yeah. a lot in this podcast, uh, those are fine. Like it's, I mean, it's, so it's such they're a not small the sickly per- ones, yeah. yeah, they're not the sickly ones. So it's just a, such a small percentage. And I think one of the extra fears about the vampire bat is because theoretically they could, um, you know, a, a target a human to, to, uh, drink, lap the blood up from a human, but it's, mm. it's just extremely rare. I mean, right. there's so many other things to worry about there. I mean, your chance of getting killed by a cow is probably going to be way higher. <laughs> yes, a cow kills. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's like the people, it's like worrying about a shark attack and we hear about them cause it's so rare and, yeah. and, and things like that. And it's so dra- dramatic, but yeah. it's just not, it's just not really reality the chances of happening are just is are very small yeah Um, i mean i'll just pop in real quick i mean especially you know a vampire bat biting a human you need to be sleeping outside and if i'm sleeping yeah and if i was because they're they're not going to come and attack you and bite you and you know like that they they only go after people the prey that are sleeping and 
if you're outside as a human, you should be under a mosquito net wherever <laughs> these things live because yeah. I wouldn't want to be, you know, in the middle of the jungle, not in a tent or something where a vampire bat's going to get me. So yeah, it's not going to, you know, that is. Yeah, I think if, I mean, I'm just going to throw this out there. If you're sleeping in the jungles of South America without a tent or mosquito net, I feel like a vampire bat is one of the least. The least. Yes, I know. There's <laughs> I a know. lot of things. A lot, I tra- a lot of creepy ex- crawlies. Yeah, I traveled extensively through Central and South America, and I never, I mean, that was not, vampire bats were not what we were concerned with at all. No, um, no, so, no. But yeah, so I, I think that they, they do get a bad rap, but if, people would take it a little bit further and think about potential benefits of humans is that there's been recent research showing um, the anticoagulant agents in the vampire mm-hmm. bat and their saliva. Mm-hmm. So those are there to basically for uh, on a, on a victim, let's say if they're, you know, on a cow or something, their saliva has these anticoagulant agents that help keep the blood from coagulating so they can be mm-hmm. more viscous and fluid so they can keep drinking it up and that helps them. But scientists think that this might help humans and some serious injuries and diseases and really cool. And, uh, 2003, uh, the journal of American heart association tested the saliva of vampire bats and it was shown uh, it was shown to increase blood flow in stroke patients. So there's definitely a lot of really cool physiology that they have that might be beneficial to humans and they could improve medical treatments. Right. Uh, and right, so, right, right. And this is just one of the cool physiological things that they do that researchers are starting to try to look into and harness. Uh, and then just in general, bat, large bat colonies, um, will produce guano, which is their, um, their feces, and that can be harvested and used as fertilizer. So mm-hmm. from a strictly human economical point of view, these can be really great things. Um, if you can overlook, uh, I guess your personal fears about being bit by a vampire bat or about the very, very small risk of 0.5% of bats carrying rabies. Right. Right. And the, uh, the protein name, do you remember? Oh, do you remember what's um, called? It was really cool. What was it? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's called Draculin. <laughs> How awesome is that? See, I love it. Yeah, love yeah. science. There, and I'll add one thing on their physiology because we're talking about the medical stuff right now. One of the things I learned about them is their blood diet is so unique, right? That you're you're you know they're eating blood. That's all they eat. That's all they eat's blood. But in blood, there's tons and tons of viruses, and Viruses can insert themselves in DNA and change the genome. Vampire bats, and this is a recent study just in 2018, they know vampire bats can resist this. So they have a, a credible immune system that can withstand these viruses. So not only are you talking about the, the saliva, but what we could learn from their immune systems, you know, to fight off viruses and, and things. So that's why, like, you know, it's not just... You know, Angie and I was like, why care? Because we love animals and, and, and but most anybody that listens to this podcast loves animals. But, you know, trying to sell this to the general public or people that aren't so, you know, into animals, we're like, look, this is why you want to save these animals. Look what we're learning. If do you care about yourself? You know, do you care about your kids, you know, future stuff? So Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. the immune system is a huge huge focus on medical research. Mm-hmm. Now we're learning more about it each and every year and obviously how critical mm-hmm. it is. And yeah, if we can improve people's resistance to diseases and viruses and things like that, that's would be incredible. Right. Right. Yeah, no, it's crazy. It's crazy. Now jumping into evolution, Angie, again, we've covered this before. So just a, a quick recap, you know, the, the problem with bats is their bones are really brittle. I mean, you know, they fly, so sure. they can't have heavy set bone like, you know, land mammals do or land any animal does. So, you know, it's hard to kind of do some of this bat evolution. They really think the, the, again, the earliest bats couldn't really fly. They could flutter or glide and, you know, it took a long time for them to develop their echolocation, things like that. Now, again, bats are mammals. Mm-hmm. What's really Interesting about vampire bats is it's about 26 million years ago from what we do understand. 
is when they emerged and they were, they believe they were emerged from insect eating bats that were eating parasites. So if you're eating a bunch of ticks, you know, what is a tick doing on an animal? It's sucking the blood, right? Mm-hmm. So th- they were already eating diets and partial blood. So they just evolved into these mammals and specialized in a total blood diet. <laughs> so kind of crazy. Hey, if, um, it, if it works, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it, their specializations, Angie, it's just so insane. Sure. Well, These- I was reading somewhere that this, this, um, adaption for an all blood diet and fe- blood feeding capabilities is one of the more fastest examples of nat- natural selections among mammals. Oh, wow. I didn't read that part. Yeah, but it makes no sense. I mean, so some of the special, now, by fast, speci- I, I mean, we're talking millions, millions of years. Yeah. Not, not, not <laughs> in two we're or talking 10, like two or three or four million years, not 20, 30, 40, you know, yeah. so, but yeah. still it's very interesting. Well, I mean, think of the things they had to do. So you talked about the anticoagulants in the saliva. Their teeth had to had to be modified, right? These sharp, mm-hmm. razor-sharp teeth that they have. Then they needed those adaptations to be able to digest blood. Sure. Plus, yep. in a, a blood diet is really high in water, so they had to find ways to excrete excess water. And excess protein. Yeah. And then you're going to talk some of the, the anatomical changes to be able to prey on sleeping animals, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Then we're going to talk about their sensory adaptations to not only detect prey, but where the blood is. You just can't go and make a little cut and get tons of blood, right? So we'll get there in a second, but it's crazy. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it's quite fascinating and it's, it's so very specialized and, and it is, it is, it, you know, it's been work. It has been working for them for a long time. So it would be sad if our fears got in the way and, you know, we wiped them out because we don't necessarily agree with how, what they like to eat their choice and their right. choice in food, if you will. Right. So Angie, I'm going to ask you mm-hmm. what, so there's this other animal that mm-hmm. uh, lives on earth that has similar anticoagulant properties. So, they have the same gene structure, the vampire bats and this animal. I think you've had some on you before. I think you've mentioned it. Oh, leeches. Yes. I have yes. had leeches. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, no, let's go swimming in this river, kids. It'll be fine, kids, he says. <laughs> he got 50 leeches on you. Oh, my God. I'd freak out. <laughs> I think we only had two or three. He actually had the most because he was standing still the longest, like holding us and we were busy swimming around. So, yeah, that was the last time we went swimming in the old south <laughs> south branch of the Black River in Michigan. There. Oh, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> uh, so they evolutionary separate for 500 million years, but they have the same genes that make that saliva. Really? Like, yes. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It is nuts. It is nuts. So I thought that was a cool. It is. I love it. Yeah. Nature's pretty amazing. Well, and since you're along, along the lines of similar, like our different species with similar adaptations, I also found it really interesting that, um, so in the brain, um, clumps, clusters of neuronal material are often described as nuclei. So they're, mm-hmm. um, I won't get into brain anatomy here no, or everybody get everybody <laughs> sleeping. I could, but I won't. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, so, so nuclei are certain sections of the brain. And so a nucleus has been found in the brain of vampire bats that has a similar position and histology. So that's when you look at cells under microscopes, uh, that can tell you a lot about um, the layers of cells and the types of cells. But when you look on it under a microscope, it's very similar to the infrared receptor of infrared, infrared sensing snakes. Oh, okay. Okay. So once again, this kind of, um, so convergent evolution, right? Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. cool physiological adaptions that, basically evolve on totally different branches of the evolutionary tree. I I mean, it doesn't get much more different than a snake, a reptile versus a warm blooded bat mammal. So, but yet they still have these interesting um, physiological adaptions, which 
makes sense. It helps them hunt their prey, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, just, uh, it's crazy. They've got these things are more than just blood licking. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you would you would say sucking, but it's more not. than more than meets the eye. Definitely. That's yeah, yeah, they're just oh, they're crazy. So they, you know, I remember we talked Tazzy Devils last week, and those poor things only live five years in the wild. These mm-hmm. can live up to nine years in the wild. So pretty long. Oh, yeah, it definitely. And I'm not sure about under human care, but I mean, they definitely have a a, a lot, um, you know, a pretty, pretty decent sized lifespan if they're let, left to their own devices. Right, right. And of course, you know, bats are obviously known for special, special senses. Um, and a vampire bat's going to have an acute sense of smell and of course, large eyes. Mm-hmm. But what I found really fascinating is that the common vampire has special thermoreceptors on its nose as well. Right, right, right. Which and for they, those they, of you that aren't yeah. familiar with thermoreceptors, those are specialized nerves that can detect temperature. Right. And so they can, they can find where those blood vessels are. Right. So on an animal. We, so yeah, they land yeah. on, let's say, a cow and they're snorkeling around with their thermoreceptors and yeah. they can, they know a better place to kind of tap, basically hit, hit the tap. <laughs> tap. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They tap the vessel. They tap mm-hmm. the vessel and, and then they go to town. It's. And with that being said, Chris, oh my yeah, gosh, it just, yeah. it just talk about spooky. <laughs> it gets, uh, yeah. it, gets, it gets even better. Um, yes. also vampire bat. Once they use their thermoreceptors of their nose to figure out where the blood's flowing on the skin of the prey, they have front teeth that are specialized for cutting. Mm-hmm. And the back teeth are actually much smaller than compared to other bats, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the inferior colliculus, uh, mm-hmm. and that's the part of the brain. Once again, sorry, a lot of brain anatomy, guys. Mm-hmm. The inferior colliculus is a part of the brain that processes sounds. Mm-hmm. In a vampire bat, check this out. It's well adapted to detect the regular breathing sounds of sleeping animals. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, these things are crazy. They're like honed into like, oh, that one's yeah. sleeping, that one's sleeping deep. Okay. Let me, let me, let me go there. I mean, that's yeah. just like, that's out of a sci-fi movie, right? Oh, um, oh, 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 oh. You want sci-fi? Listen to this one. Okay. So. While other bats have lost the ability to maneuver on land, this is uh, taken off a website, but these vampire bats, okay, so other bats, they, they can't walk or do anything on the ground. Vampire bats can, can not only walk, but they can jump. <laughs> They're and like then really they, good at it. Yes, and they have this unique bounding gait. So I just thought of some horror film where you see these animals like charging on the ground with wings. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I just... It just it had a nightmare scenario written. <laughs> Thank God these things are tiny. Oh yeah. No, they're, they're, they're really, I mean, they're very stealthy and that, I mean, it makes sense if we're jumping out a little bit to their behavior. Yeah. Uh, it does make sense because when they approach their prey, it's not going to just like land on the animal and be like, boom, here I am. Yeah. I'm going yeah. to cut, put a little cut on your blood vessel so I can yeah. lap up the blood. Yeah. No, they're stealthy. They're on the ground and they basically like they approach um their prey by walking or hopping up to the unsuspecting <laughs> sleeping victim, right? Because they can sense that it's sleeping with um, oh, certain parts of their brain. Um yeah. and then they climb on the animal like kind of like backwards or sideways at like this uh-huh. this like, you know, sideway little gate. And the animal doesn't even know, you know. Basically, they're so light uh, and, mm-hmm. and weight, but then also stealthy the way that they move. Then they, they snorkel out. They sniff out this, uh, or sniff isn't the right word, but they use their thermoreceptors to, to, uh, you know, figure out where the best place for blood is. And then they use those sharp teeth to make that little gash and, and their anticoagulating agents yeah. in their saliva and they drink. And no, it's just. It's, I mean, if you, if you visualize, if you went, if you went along with me for the ride and actually visualize mm. this thing and Chris will put some, um, 
photos up on the show notes of how yeah. they do this this walking gait um, on their forelimbs. It's it's pretty interesting. And yeah, yeah. And Chris, what's really fascinating is this walking or kind of ambling gait is important not only to help them get onto the victim uh, quietly and stealthily, uh, but then also after they're done feeding. So a typical right, female, right. a typical female, female vampire bat weighs about 40 grams, but she can consume over 20 grams or one fluid ounce of blood in 20 minutes. So yes, if you stuck with me, you can picture a vampire bat on its victim for up to 20 minutes while the unsuspecting <laughs> victim is just snoring away. <laughs> okay. But, but if we back up the numbers a little bit, 40 grams she weighs and she can consume 20 grams. Let's just pretend for a second uh, that I weighed 130 pounds. Oh that yeah. Would, we did this last week, right? right. <laughs> that would let be like me consuming seven, no, 65 pounds of food. Pounds. Oh, 65 blood. pounds of food in 20 minute block. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so from a digestive point of view, this behavior of consuming gorging, obviously things us humans can't do is facilitated by a rapid processing and digestion of the blood because the animal after it feeds has to fly away. So not, I mean, imagine I can barely walk away from the Thanksgiving table. Yeah. <laughs> after a full meal. And that's like these, only what, five pounds? I mean, right, literally. Right, right. Like, these, if that's if you eat a lot, then the right. five pounds is a ton. Yeah. These guys, not only do they have to walk away from the Thanksgiving table or the victim that they just drank all this blood from, they have to fly. They have to get yeah. airborne. Yeah. So their body is just, in, their physiology is incredible. Um, they have a stomach lining that rapidly absorbs water from, uh, in the blood plasma. And that's trick quickly goes to the kidneys and then the bladder and they excrete it out. So they lose a little bit, uh, they lose a lot of excess water quickly by, um, um, excreting it out. And just so you know, if you are being <laughs> fed on, if the vampire bat is feeding on you because of this process of exc- excreting the excess water through the bladder pretty quickly, or through their kidneys and out in their bladder is they're going to pee on you within two minutes of feeding as well. So (laughs) (laughs) don't keep us pets. Not a good pet. (laughs) No, just know that. Uh, and so anyways, they're going to shed about before they take off, they're going to shed about 20 or 30% of, of what they had eaten. But in the same instance, this ambling gait is helpful because they basically walk off from the ground and they, crouch and fling themselves in the air and hopefully are able to go airborne. So I couldn't find a video of this, but I, I would love to see if somebody has it out there, if somebody can find it, because I just can imagine this full bellied Thanksgiving, full blood meal, uh, vampire bat that's trying to get into flight. It's almost like a cartoon in my eyes of of trying to get into the air with this, with, you know, by consuming, you know, 50% or by the time they're actually airborne, 30% of their body weight and they're still able to do it. Not, I mean, and you know, what happens after you eat all that blood flow to your stomach? Like, yeah, that's, uh, they're, 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 yeah, specially adapted. The, the talking about feeding. So we know they only eat blood or that's, that's it. That's their diet. They usually like medium to large size mammals. Again, those sharp incisors, I mean, it's surgical precision. So the animal feels like nothing. And like we said, they lick the blood that flows from the wound. Here's some other behaviors, but the common vampire bat in a single night can fly from 20 kilometers from their roost to a feeding site. Wow. So yeah, they go pretty far. Sure. Yeah. And they can only survive two days without a blood meal. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Now think about it, Ange. You know, we've done a lot of nutrition research, you know, in our previous lives or your life now, you're doing your postdoc stuff. How much nutrition is actually in blood? Think about it. There's no carbohydrate, right? Some vitamins, some minerals, some protein, a mm-hmm. so little bit of fat. Protein. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of water. A lot, yeah, of, a lot water. of water. Yeah. Again, the, vi- the viruses are in there. So, Vampire bats have specialized gut microbes that break down, you know, red blood cells. Uh, 
and the nutrients in the blood to get what they need. So it's pretty incredible that they can live off that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just nuts. Now, a, a couple things before we, we get more into behavior. There are some things that eat them. Birds of prey uh, down in the Americas will eat them. And then sometimes snakes will sneak into their roost and nab one of them. But, of course, humans are their biggest threat right now. So, uh, you know, which we'll get to in conservation in a minute. Now, the behavior, again, <laughs> not only you're, you talk about the feeding behavior, but there's some other cool stuff that they do, right? Oh, oh, yes, definitely. Uh they, of course, they're bats, and so they're uh, nocturnal, and they are going to roost in, and vampire bats are going to tend to live in colonies, um, of course, in dark places, caves, wells, hollow trees, buildings that have been abandoned, and their colonies can range from single digits to hundreds in these roosting sites, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Roosting sites are the basic social structure is going to consist of female groups and their offspring. And there's going to be a few adult males and those are known as resident males. And sometimes they'll allow other males into the group that are known as non-resident, non-resident males, but typically Mm -hmm. they breed with and prefer the resident males and the vampire bats, which I just, I mean, to give them a little bit more of a, if you don't already, if you're not already in love with them to give them a little bit more of a, um, a, of a tender touch or whatever. So you can relate to them as a mammal, like your dog or your cat is that they, they do form strong bonds with their other members in the colony. Mm-hmm. And in fact, a really very, very unique and interesting adaptation of vampire bats is that they actually share food. And you're thinking, wait, Angie, what are you talking about? They drink blood. How do they share food? Well, as Chris mentioned, a vampire bat can only survive about two days without a meal of blood. Yet, because they have to travel so far, they can't be guaranteed of finding um, a victim every night, right? Somebody that's going to sleep through all of that so they can get their fill. So this poses a problem if you're a vampire bat and you fail to find food. So what a vampire bat does it is unable to find food will often beg for food from another bat. And if lucky, the one that's begging a donor bat that just maybe came in from a really good, you know, it's got that full, full gut could barely fly into the roost. It's, it's like a, a low, a low flying bat that could barely lift itself up and flung itself (laughs) in the air. It made it. That sometimes will act as a donor bat that can regurgitate a small amount of blood just to sustain another member of its colony. Mm -hmm. And this has been discussed a lot by researchers as who does it? Is it just um, females in the same family? Is it, uh, will they do it with non-related females? Uh, And, and when they're living under human care, a lot of times it's, it's seen, especially, um, towards new mothers, which I can relate to that. I mean, when I was a new mom, I, I mean, people weren't regurgitating food in my <laughs> mouth, but they, they were basically like, here, honey, you need to eat, eat. right. You know, like eat. basically yeah. like, here's just like eat, you need to take a little break. And so I, I thought that that was a very, um, Interesting behavior yeah, and really yeah. kind of cool and collab- at a collaborative behavior that they can realize that, you know, um, that moms need help. You know, yeah, after a baby yeah, is born, sure. they can, you know, they'll, 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 they can feed the mom for up to two weeks after the birth. Now, let me tell you, that's longer than I got help. I, yeah. had, rel- I had the relatives <laughs> come in for like two days. Two days. Um, bless oh. my sister-in-law, Cherie. My, uh, I, I call her my sister wife. She did come for like 10 days. Uh, but still, she's no vampire bat. She didn't stay for two weeks and feed me. So. And regurgitate in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's just really, really, it's really interesting. And it's it's a pretty unique behavior um, seen in, in the animal kingdom. And with that being said, with them being social, bats also engage in social grooming, which you and I have talked a lot about in the pad podcast from different primates to obviously equids where they'll groom each other 
um, and as a reciprocal behavior to either help remove um, parasites or just because it's straight up feels good. Um, mm-hmm. And so with bats, they're not exactly sure if it's, if it's more of a, um, uh, a like bonding thing or if it's more mm-hmm. of a parasite thing or a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, it usually occurs between females and the offspring, but it's offspring, but it's also seen between adult females. Uh, mm-hmm. And then it's also the, um, the grooming has also been associated with food sharing. So it's like, uh, sometimes maybe the beggar will do some, you know, will do some grooming like, Hey, I, I brushed your hair. Can I, can you regurgitate some of that blood for me? <laughs> oh, <God>. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they're smart. They know yeah, they're a little manipulative, bless their hearts. Um, so, but yeah, and just in general, when they're in the colony, young vampire bats don't exhibit aggressive behavior. They usually play with another, play with one another, wrestle, which I just is a cute visual for me with other juveniles. And they typically avoid aggressive behavior, um, which you probably would think with vampire bats, oh, they must be super aggressive. Well, they're not. And often juveniles will perform a gesture of appeasement where they fold, uh, one folded wing is like lifted. And the body is bent to one side. So I think mm-hmm. it's kind of like a white flag. Like, hey, hey, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're cool, dude. We're cool. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and then just as we touched on, um, I think in the fruit bat, um, the flying fox episode, there, they definitely, bats have vocalizations. Um, sometimes in, depending on where you live, you can probably go out and hear them at nighttime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and vocalizations are going to be common between mother and offspring. And vocalizations usually actually occur a lot during this food sharing that they do. And, um, they of course will also use different kinds of like chirps and barks. And so stand by for one second. I think I have a vampire vocalization of a juvenile. So this is called an isolation call. So basically of a juvenile. So it's probably calling to its, um, its mom. I'm going to tell you, Angie, it's, I'm glad you played that because it's going to be important towards the end because I have a really cool thing to talk about with bat calls. So that was, oh. yeah, yeah, it was, that Ooh, was really cool the, though. We're yeah. on the same uh, bat wavelength tonight. I love yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's your pun. You always got to get one in. You always oh, get man, one in. You know, you guys are lucky that I'm so busy this week because I was like, oh, I need to look up some bat jokes and some bat yeah. puns, but I, yeah. I never made it that far. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it, I mean, it's, it, it is cool to hear them. And again, that, that will later on in the pod, I'll talk about that here in a few minutes. So before we get there, let's, let's talk about breeding. Like not only do they have to what fly, they have to eat every two days. We know that. So super mom, I guess, cause think about that. They have to eat and then they're going to have these kits, right? Sure. Exactly. And then, and then a new more mom, a newborn mom is going to have to Beg for uh, beg for food, yeah, or <laughs> for she food. dies. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and so no, it, it's it's very interesting. We have the female offsprings tend to remain in their natal group, and so several matrilines can be found in a group, um, and unrelated females can regularly join groups as well. And once again, there's going to be these resident males with their females in their harem. And it's very uncommon for an outside male or a non-resident male to copulate with a female in vampire bats. And, but in general, uh, resident males that are going to be in the roost, which remember could be a tree or a cave or a barn, uh, he will actively defend his territory from other wandering males or um, non-resident males. And the defense can include chasing, pushing, fighting, um, and the fighting can consist of striking with wings and or biting as well. Um, but once the resident male copulates with his females in the harem, uh, the female is going to gestate for about seven months. So wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
Isn't wow, that wow? Seven months? Yeah, unless I for that typo. little thing. Yeah, I know no, that's crazy. It is, and when we talk about like life cycle and you know and and repopulating these guys, they have a, a longer, a little bit longer gener- generation interval, and so a female is typically going to have one pregnancy per year um, with that gestation period of about seven months. And so those are things to think about. And then with her pregnancy, she's only going to have a single pup. Occasionally there's twins, but typically it's just one. Uh, and, and obviously she's a good mama. So she takes really good care of it. And when the newborns are born, they're developed and they, they're pretty developed and they weigh about five to seven grams at birth. So they're, they're mm-hmm, pretty mm-hmm. tiny. And that first month, yeah, they're just feeding strictly on their mom's milk. And obviously the mom has maybe gotten some blood meals from a friend, but she will have to go out and hunt herself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And after a month, the weight of the, of the offspring or the juvenile is going to double. And then basically mm-hmm. the young are slowly introduced to the blood meals by receiving the regurgitated food, mm-hmm. um, from the mom during the second month of life. And that's when they start accompanying their mothers on hunts when they're about four, four months old or so. Okay. Okay. And they're pretty much done growing after five months, but they, I mean, they have, it's a very, um, as we had talked about a lot in nutrition and behavior, it's a very Mm -hmm. specialized form of, of hunting, right? Mm -hmm. It is. It is. So they need to learn a lot from their mom. So there's a lot, there's a lot of maternal investment in the care for, and the teaching of, of the young. So they can do that. And then of course, as a male uh, grows up, he might, um, be kicked out of the harem. He has to go find or find and or make his own, um, depending on what, what the dominant state of the resident male is. Right. And, and I would say too, like when you talked about them regurgitating for the babies, mm-hmm. that that's how they get those microbes. You know, it, it's one of the things I read that, you know, the, the specialized microbiome that lives in their guts, they get it from mom you know, throwing up or regurgitating <laughs> into baby's mouth, but then baby gets those microbes and gets them established in their own stomachs. Sure. Gets their own colonies, yeah. which are obviously very critical, right? To process yeah. and get all the nutrients, as many nutrients right. as possible out of this blood. Right. Right. Now the conservation is these are least concerned, but like I, I alluded earlier, they, they're considered a nuisance animal that they believe in, in Latin America, at least that, the vampire bats are responsible for like a, a U.S. $50 million loss mm-hmm. in to cattle ranchers, you know, with rabies. Uh, so it's, which is stupid, just vaccinate against rabies. But anyways, so what they're doing is the, in Brazil and some of these other countries, they try to annihilate entire vampire bat colonies, usually by poisoning. Mm. But the problem is not only are you killing the vampire bats, but you're getting other beneficial bat species like fruit bats or other cave dwelling animals are being killed. Sure. So it's not, it's, it's horrible. It's a horrible thing yeah. that what they're doing. Yeah. Well, it's wiping out. It's, it's a huge target. Like they're not even, they're not even able to individualize the certain species or wiping right. out, like you said, many other fruit eating bats that are really important seed dispersers. Mm-hmm. So, that, so then therefore you're wiping out them and the plants that they typically help, um, help pollinate, to yeah. pollinate and grow and yeah. all that. So, yeah, uh, like you said, a lot, and then let alone all the other bystander species that are just in the way of this, this poison. Right. So yeah, no, that, that doesn't seem like a very good solution. And, and honestly, that just the skeptic in me without looking at numbers, uh, or the, or the critic in me, that seems like a really high number of cattle loss to right. an animal that bats in general are, if they're only, only point, are 0.5, a half right. percent of them are rabies that, I don't know. I mean, there's a, there are a ton of livestock in uh, South America, especially in Brazil yeah. and Argentina yeah. area. So maybe, maybe the numbers add up, but that seems awful high know. to me. Or like Chris said, there's a, a thing, you know, a thing called vaccination as well. Yeah. So. That, that protects against rabies pretty well, you know? So yeah, it just, it frustrates me, you know, it's, it's human wildlife conflicts. And here's one where a species is being unfairly targeted when, you know, there's a lot of other things that carry rabies than vampire bats. So yes, exactly. 
Anyways, who's out there fighting the fight for these little guys and gals? Uh, well, you know, I will tell you what, Chris. Um, maybe we have a new job to start. I couldn't. <laughs> find, okay. Um, yeah, I couldn't find a um, just a vampire yeah. bat conservation organization. Um, however, it makes sense in the fact that yeah. you know it's just three species out of like the twelve hundred, and 100. so right. what I think is. What is more beneficial to their overall conservation are a few of the amazing groups um, that I want to highlight that in general just do a lot with bat conservation internationally and education and research and all that and, and work with, uh, people to re, to reduce human, human animal con, human bat conflicts. Uh, so the first organization is going to be Bat Conservation International and they, are on Facebook. They have a great presence on Facebook and they've been around since 1982 and they can be found at www.batcon. So that's B-A-T-C-O-N.org. And Bat Conservation International has been conserving the world's bats. So they don't discriminate. They like all of the bats uh, and their ecosystems to ensure a healthy planet. And they raise awareness about bats and why they're valuable and critically essential to our lives on this planet. Uh, so they educate the public, which is key. They protect critical bat habitats and they encourage other conservationists to join their effort. And they also advance scientific knowledge and which is important. And so they've been operating for close to 40 years and they work within 97 countries. So Bat Conservation International is definitely um, a site you should check out or like that if you're a bat fan or you're learning oh, yeah. to be a bat fan. Uh, they have a beautiful Facebook presence, and there's always a lot of amazing information out there um, to let you, you know, so you can learn more about how what bats do, about, the, you know, close to 1,300 species of bats. Right. And, um, and they, and, and, you know, in general, bats – and agriculture are going to help human savings mm-hmm. and the planet at about $23 billion a year. Wow. Wow. That's a new number, big number. As okay. far as, okay. as far as pollination right. and, and uh, wiping out, you know, insects like mosquitoes and things like that and other bugs that destroy crops like corn mm-hmm. um, and Texas and just things like that. So globally, that's $23 billion that bats help agricultural people save. So anyways, if you get on their website, you're going to learn a lot more cool facts like that and fall even more in love with all different species of bats um, like I did. And then I always just want to give a shout out to my local, uh, um, well, it's an international organization. Yeah. However, it's local here for me in Gainesville and that's going to be Luby Bat Conservancy. Luby, I was place. Just, yeah. I was just, we were just there with the boys last weekend. They um, do their annual pre-Halloween um, educational, uh, kind of inspirational bat series out there. And they're an international nonprofit dedicated to saving bats and their habitats through research, conservation, and education. And they have a huge focus on children and outreach education and community engagement. And so this is a, brings the community over five thousand people if not more mm-hmm. come mm-hmm. out to luby uh and this i think it's the third weekend of october to learn all about the bats and the awesome research they do and they focus on um a lot with the flying foxes so getting right. to see those guys up close and mm-hmm. my little boys being enthralled and having a million questions being up close and personal and looking at all the enrichment and all the wonderful th- things they do uh for the bats that live under their human care there it's just a fantastic organization. So support them, check them out, like them on Facebook and they can be found at Luby, L U B E E dot org, or once again on Facebook. So yeah, those are, and, and there's other ones out there. Um, there's some great, uh, bat conservation groups out in the UK that we mm-hmm. might put on our website as well. So if you, you know, there's definitely a lot of people out there fighting the good fight for, bats and um and so yeah you can learn more about your favorite bat species and why what people are doing to help save them by reaching out to some of these organizations or following them on facebook or social well well i do i do want to say dr cottrell shout out to dr cottrell because you should go and listen to busting bat myths it was uh i think episode 16 way back when 
Yeah, that was yeah. that was a really popular one. We should actually maybe uh, at the end of this week maybe we'll, uh, repost it, remind repost people it, new, yeah, that are new to us. Um, Dr. Cattell did an amazing a job talking to us about bats and why we should care. And she's a yeah. local conservationist and bat enthusiast and just a doctor, so highly knowledgeable about disease yeah. transmission. And she just mm-hmm. she kind of set the record straight on these guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, yeah, I will definitely, uh, put a reminder out this week on that because it was, it was a great episode, great interview. So that was a good lead in when you're talking about helping. And let me tell you my conservation tip of the week. And I think you would, Angie, you would really like this one. And that is get involved as a citizen scientist. Yay. Yeah, I know. Best one ever. I know. I was like, why haven't I done this before? So you, the listener, no matter where you are in the globe, because we know this podcast is listened to all over, even Angie, even Russia, right? You said we have a listener in Russia. I think we might have two <laughs> followers in the Russia Federation. Yes, yes. Hello. Hello uh, from the U.S. and elsewhere. The So in Russia, they can do this too. And, and actually, they're doing a big push in Russia right now. But there is a website. And I'm going to post it in the show notes. It's www.batdetective.org. Okay. Yes, I love it's, everything you're saying right now. Yes. You're going to be doing this. I guarantee you. So you, it's global. You mm-hmm. go and you listen and you record and you're trying to classify the different bat species of where you live. So awesome. Alexander's going to yeah, love this. Yes. So if you can go out, like everybody's cell phones now can record, you record the sounds, you upload them to the database and they help you identify the species. So I thought it was awesome. I was like, wow, you know, I, it's, it's going to be hard. To, you know, I'm trying to think because I know in, in New Zealand, I saw bats and always in Florida, I saw bats. It just was hard to hear them. You know, because it's so loud in Florida, but if you can find areas where they're at, but yeah. And then looking at their website, it's really cool that, you know, it helps you sort out all the different insect calls, crickets, things like that. So you can dampen all that out and, and see if you can identify any bats that were flying near you. So anybody can do it. It's free and you're helping science. It's amazing. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I knew you'd like that one. I was excited when I found it. I was like, yes, because yeah. I was trying, I was like, you know, what can we do? Because we already did like build bad houses and things like that. This one, I thought, wow, this is this would be really cool and be fun to do with your kids. It, it would be really fun. All right. So, where did the vampire myth evolve? I thought Transylvania. That's right? what I would. Yeah, <laughs> like Dracula. Okay. That's where I would have gone. That's what to you use. thought. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and there was a guy I was going to talk about. It's called Vlad the Impaler. He was crazy a long time ago, hundreds of years ago. The first bat myth or vampire myth came from Greek mythology. So this hmm. is where it started. Yeah. So a young Italian man named Ambrosio and his love of his life, Selena. Well, according to the myth, Ambrosio fell in love with Selena after he went and saw the Oracle of Apollo, the sun god. And he asked her, Selena, to marry him, but Apollo was jealous. So he cursed Ambrosio. It caused his skin to burn whenever it was exposed to sunlight. So, you know, vampires can't be out in the sun, right? Mm-hmm. If you do that. Yeah. So, <laughs> it, so now Ambrosio couldn't marry Selena. So he turned to Hades, who's the god of the underworld. And Hades wanted Artemis's bow. So he went and stole Artemis's bow and she in turn cursed Ambrosio that he couldn't touch silver because it would kill him or burn his skin. <laughs> so oh, this guy's having a bad day. Seriously. <laughs> but then Artemis felt so bad for him. So she gave him super strength, immortality and fangs to kill beasts and drink their blood. And so then he could marry Selena. And eventually he, you know, Selena escaped and her and Ambrosio became vampires together and they lived happily ever after drinking blood. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> so, anyways. Wow. That's the- I, I never knew that. That's really, you, that's really fascinating. You, you pull up a lot of, uh, Interesting tidbits, Chris. Yes, uh, I was like, Greek mythology? Are you kidding me? I never would have guessed that in a million years. Never, 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 never. No, so I know. 
The things you learn on this podcast, <laughs> not the animal physiology, but this is the stuff that sticks. Oh, I have one. I, I the listeners probably long hung yeah. up by now, but yeah. this is this is what I learned today. Yeah. And uh, a side note, and it has to do with blood. Yeah. How many miles? Okay, so your blood vessels, you've got right. arteries, veins, capillaries, right. um, arterioles, venules, mm-hmm. yada blada. Uh, if you were to put them all together, how many miles do you think? Oh, geez. They that would be miles in an adult Ooh, body. Two, three. That's pretty far. Higher, <laughs> a <laughs> lot higher. Really? Um, time, uh, times about twenty thousand. Uh, there are twenty thousand miles. No, I, well, you said two, and, and <laughs> okay. so I, I times that by about twenty. There are twenty thousand. There are about fifty to sixty thousand miles of blood are vessels. You're, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. No. Oh my God. Fact In check the human it for body? me, unless I'm on some um some weird sites, but you you uh, could be. <laughs> I could be, but no, no, no. And so, but with that, I don't want to know what websites you go to. No, no. Well, yeah, it was it was in my anatomy class yeah. today. No way. So, That's yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you think about it. I mean, they're tiny too. You know, you're talking micro vessels and super yeah. detailed. And so, and with that That's being crazy. said, the uh, uh, the basically the you know the circumference of the the Earth. With that being said, that mm-hmm. your blood vessels could wrap around the Earth two times. Wow. I did not know that. It's about 25,000 miles or Okay. So. All right. Um, All right. Well, we have to fact check that. And if it's not yeah, true, we have to check no, that out. Yeah, no, fact check that. But I was, that's, I don't know. I want somebody to call me out on if that's, if that's wrong. Okay. But I, I, I'm, I'm, it, it seems steep, but I was also yeah. reading that, um, in one pound of fat. So let's say you gain a pound after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That one pound of fat alone is going to add 400 miles of blood vessels. Oh my God. That's crazy. So, oh because I mean, yeah. we, we all know that fat's kind of like a, a new organ. They're, you know, it has, it secretes hormones and it's, you know, it's, it's its own thing going yeah. on. So yeah. yeah, fascinating stuff. Gotta yeah. love the body, science. right? Yeah. Science, science, science of blood and blood vessels and vampire, yeah. bats. vampire bats. So <laughs> if you're still listening, sorry about the harangue. Feel free to cut it out. Yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna- it's right. No, it's all about blood, right? So it is uh, all cool about stuff blood today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well have a safe Halloween, everybody. And next week we'll be back with a less spooky creature and, uh, yeah, stay tuned. Thank you everyone, everyone for listening. Have a happy Halloween. Um, eat some candy, but not too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't need more blood vessels of. No, of fat. you don't want to gain a pound of fat and 400 miles of blood vessels. So that's that's my advice for the week, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. All right, All right take thank care. Thank you. Bye, Chris. Listen, learn, share, join the movement at allcreaturespod.com.